Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. So this is James. Uh, we're continuing in the book of James, and this is James chapter 1, verse 12. And so let's just go ahead and read it. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. This sounds so much like the Beatitudes. If you'll remember the Beatitudes, Jesus talked about blessed, and it's the same word, makarios. And in the back, well, I'll even show you. Um, this is Matthew 5, beginning of verse 3. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Um, and, the, and the Beatitudes goes on. But um, this is basically... Um, what that word means. Blessed is uh, a word that means blessed, that you will, you will have something blessing you if you do these things. And the same thing is true then for uh, James. He's talking about there will be a blessing to you if you persevere under trial. Now, this is hard for us to comprehend because we don't think that trials are blessings to us. Unless you are a person of deep faith, and then you realize that every trial is a blessing, it, 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 that, that you will be blessed by it. And so James says, the one who perseveres under trial, having stood that test, you will receive, the blessing will be a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, this crown of life that we're talking about um, at first pass, when you read this scripture, you think that the crown of life is eternal life. That if you persevere under trial, that at the end of time, well, God will reward you with eternal life. Uh, and if you don't persevere under trial, if you fall away or if, um, if your faith is weak or if you, if you, uh, you know, whatever it is, then you will not, if you do not persevere under trial, but if the trial breaks you, that you will not receive eternal life. And that is as far from what this passage is talking about as you can get. We know, Scripture talks completely, that eternal life is ours when we're in the kingdom, not because of anything that we do, but because of everything that Jesus has done for us. He buys us, purchases us, he wins the war for us. He's walking with us in all the battles of life. All of that is stuff that God does. We don't do anything. So the fact that we have eternal life is not really dependent upon us, but dependent upon everything that Jesus does for us. So obviously, persevering under trial and having this uh, uh, the crown of life that we're talking about is not eternal life, but it is something that happens in eternal life. Um, and that's, that's a major, major distinction. Uh, eternal life is ours because of Jesus, not anything because of we did, but there is something in eternal life that we get because of the trials and the persecution, you know, the trials and the, yeah, tribulations that we get in this life. And that's, that's an important distinction because there are, there are, um, trials and tribulations in this life. And, um, 
And they're difficult. Some of you might be going through some of them right now. Uh, life is always full of trials and tribulations. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, if you don't have a trial or tribulation, sometimes you manufacture one, right? There are a lot of people who, um, you know, they don't, they, they revel in the fact that they're going through a tribulation. And so they, they talk about their tribulations and the trials all the time. And if there isn't really a major trial or tribulation, they don't feel like they're part of, you know, living or whatever. And so they manuf they don't manufacture, but they take things in their life and they, and they say, these are really, really big trials and tribulations. And maybe they are. I mean, if you've never gone through a trial or tribulation, maybe the littlest tribulation is a tribulation for you. But as you get older, you start to see tribulations and trials in a totally different way. And so the things that you call tribulations as a young person, like going into high school and someone laughs at you because they don't think you're wearing appropriate clothing or because you have, you know, an acne on your face, you know, a, a big black head somewhere, a big, you know, white head somewhere, you know, something like that, which you think is the end of the world. Uh, is not truly the end of the world and having somebody laugh at you because of, you know, something in high school. While you're in high school, it may seem like it's a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, when you get older and you see your high school kids, you know, going through this stuff and you just guide them and talk to them and say, this is not really a big deal. This isn't a major, major tri trial or tribulation. I'll never forget, as an example of this, we were once in Colorado Springs for a wedding. We spent the night in a hotel and somebody broke into our car and stole some stuff. And one of my children is like, how, how can you deal with this? I mean, this is, this is life changing. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, and of course, if you're older, you say, no, like we're all alive. The car is still working. You know, we're not destitute. It was just a few things that were stolen out of the car. Um, probably not, you know, in the big picture was probably worth, I don't know, maybe somewhere between $500 or $1,000. I mean, it wasn't, it was a significant amount of, you know, stuff that was stolen, but in the big picture of life, it wasn't that big of a deal. And yet, um, that's, you know, trials and tribulations are different for different people. You know, uh, when you look around and all your children are still alive, then, you know, there's not much that, you know, that life can throw at you that, that's, that's not going to be, uh, you know, too difficult. Because, uh, you know, there are big, big, big trials and tribulations. There's little trials and tribulations. So anyway, um, so this, this crown of life is where we, where we trip up. The person will receive the crown of life that the Lord promised to those who love him. So what is the crown of life? Now, we think a uh, crown of life is eternal life. It's not eternal life. The crown of life, well, first of all, let's talk about what a crown is. Um, we have, uh, in, in our world, we have the Kentucky Derby, right? If you win all three, Preakness, uh, Kentucky Derby, um, whatever the third one is, if you win all three of those, you get the triple crown. What is the triple crown? It's a, it's a wreath. It's a laurel that's placed over you, right? Or over the horse or whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an honor is what it is. Uh, and in Greek, in the Greek world, in the Roman world, where, uh, uh, where this word comes from, uh, Stephanus, the crown, uh, the, uh, if you won a race or you won a battle or you know, something like that that brought honor to you or to your community or whatever, they would, they would uh, meld or weave a crown, almost like a Kentucky Derby crown. I mean, it was, it was uh, 
made out of materials, natural, you know, uh, we call them like Christmas wreaths or whatever. I, I don't know what you would call that, but it's the, the trimmings off of the, you know, you'd take all of that and you'd, you'd weave it together into a circle and that would be a crown and it would be placed over a person. And the value of the crown is almost meaningless. I mean, it was made out of materials that you can go out on, into the wilderness and make your own crown. So it wasn't the value of this stuff or even the amount of time that was put into it. The value was in the value associated with it as it was placed on you. That's where the value of the crown comes from. It's like if you uh, win the Purple Heart or, uh, or some of these other military awards that are placed on you, a, you know, a four-star general or something, I mean, the value of the star itself is nothing. The Purple Heart, the value of it, you know, in, in its raw materials is not worth anything. But, but the value placed on it by society is huge. It's an honor. It's, uh, it's, there's incredible value placed on it. And so if you have, if you walk into somebody's house and they have uh, you know, a plaque uh, with a picture of their grandfather and underneath it a bunch of military awards, those things are very, very valuable because they, they honor the person that, you know, in the photograph. It's, it's that kind of thing is what a crown is. A crown is something that's given to you that may in itself not be worth much, but the value of what it signifies is huge. That's what a crown is. So uh, in scripture, there is this term crown and it's used quite a bit. As a matter of fact, there's five different times that crowns are used in life or in scripture. Um, let's, well, we even look at some of them. The first one is like an everlasting crown. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So what Paul is saying here in this scripture is that as you, know, as you go into a game and you do strict training and you win the race and at the end of the race, you get a crown, but that crown is only gonna last as long as you're alive. But when you win the race, as Paul talks about oftentimes, when you win that, you're going to get a crown that will last forever. That this honor or blessing or whatever this crown signifies, it's going to be with you forever. It's everlasting. Uh, we'll look at another one. Um, this is Philippians 4.1. Paul writes, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So what Paul talks about is that the church in Philippi is Paul's crown. Because Paul planted that church. Uh, he labored for that church. He brought that church together. And now that church is growing and flourishing. And at the end of time, when Paul gets into heaven, there will be a crown a laurel, a wreath, an honor, a blessing placed on him because he planted that church, because he grew that church, because he loved that church. So that's another way that crown is used. Um, how about 2 Timothy 4.8? Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So when Paul writes to Timothy, he says that there's going to be a crown of righteousness, whom the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to him on that day. So it's like at judgment day, Paul will stand before God And God will take this crown, this laurel, this wreath, and place it on Paul and say, you've been declared righteous. Now, why will Paul be declared righteous? Was it because of anything that Paul did? Well, if you know the writings of Paul, it had nothing to do with anything that Paul did. Paul is the author of righteousness through Christ. So what Paul is talking about here is that when we get there, when we long, those who long for the appearing of Jesus, those who are living in the kingdom, those who are followers of the king, those people at the end of time will be judged and declared righteous, not because of anything they did, but because of everything that Christ did. So there's a crown of righteousness that will be placed upon you on judgment day. Okay, that makes sense too. There's a couple more crowns. We'll take a look at them. Uh, this is 1 Peter 5.4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So this falls in line also that when Jesus appears, the trumpet sounds, the dead arise, and all of them meet you know, up with our Savior uh, on the last day, we will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. So we will, uh, this honor, this glory, this, this fact that we ran the race and lived part of God's kingdom and uh, now are living with him forever. There's that crown of glory that will never fade away. We'll get that. Uh, and then, of course, we have James James 1, 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him, which is very similar to Revelation two ten, which, by the way, is my confirmation verse. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison and test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Now, when I was in confirmation, this verse read over me, it was, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Um, that's the very, very famous, uh, and, and as a and as a uh, eighth grader, right? Um, you read that or you hear that said over you and it's like, I have to be faithful even to death and then I will get eternal life. But that's not really what Revelation 2.10 is talking about. It's not really what James 1 is talking about. What we're talking about here is that you will suffer persecutions and there will be trials and tribulations, even maybe to the point of death. But if it is to the point of death, if you die because of your faith, there will be life, there will be eternal life that's yours that will be your victor's crown. It's not like a reward. I mean, it's a blessing, it's an honor. You are having eternal life, whether or not you're faithful to the point of death or not. Because once you're in the kingdom, you're in the kingdom. Uh, but if you're sitting there near the point of death and you say, I either have to, you know, die or not die, Be know that even at the point of death that there will be a crown for you, a special crown for you if you died for your faith. That, that that kind of crown is like the king of all crowns, right? That's what the martyrs did. The early church 
had martyrs. These were people that stayed true to the faith and they died because of their faith. And throughout history, we've had many, many, many martyrs. And somebody said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The fact that you die for your faith means that those blood drops from your death are seeds that are planted throughout the world. People see that. Their faith is strengthened. The church grows and expands exponentially because of your blood. And when you get to heaven, and if your blood was spilled, and if you died because of your faith, and thousands and millions of people came to faith because of the example that you set, that is a very, very special crown that you'll have in heaven. It's a very huge wreath, a gold wreath that's placed over you in heaven. But it's, you don't get to heaven because of dying for your faith. Um, there are people that do not, or do not persevere till death, but they're still in the kingdom. The, they'll make it to the kingdom. The, the problem is they're, that they're not the crown of life, this, this amazing crown that you died for your faith won't be yours in the kingdom. Remember, the kingdom is where there's eternal joy and hope and peace and love, and, but we find out about the story of the church and how God you know, did that and are part of that story. And um, if you are faithful to death, that story you know, takes an incredible turn. Uh, but if, it, if you don't, then the story turns in a different way. It's still a good story because it's God's story. It just turns differently. And there's no sadness in heaven. So whatever you do on earth, God makes it well in heaven. It makes, he makes it part of the eternal story in heaven. But there are these moments in time where it comes down to a trial or a tribulation and God uses that trial or tribulation um, for his plan. And if you persevere and you get through the trial of tribulation, there's a special crown for you for that in heaven. And you're going to get there regardless of the trial or tribulation. But that tribulation is, is a treasure in heaven. That's what Jesus said, right? He said, don't store up your treasure here on earth where moth and rust can destroy it, but store up your treasures in heaven because where your heart is, there your where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Um, in other words, if you have a kingdom-based heart, then you're always looking for ways to store treasures in heaven because the things that you do that are heavenly kingdom-oriented in this earth, that stores up stuff, laurels and crowns in heaven, but the earth doesn't think about it. I mean, that passes. A, you do anything in this earth, it's going to pass away. Uh, the purple heart will pass away. I mean, I shouldn't say the purple heart will pass away because obviously the purple heart is also something that you store in heaven. The physical purple heart passes away. But if you give your life in the service to others and even use your, you know, use your life because of others, that potentially could be stored for you in heaven. So there is that connection. But the actual purple heart itself, you know, at some point will fade. Uh, it'll be gone. They'll, you know, future generations, thousands of years from now, if we live that long, will look at that purple heart and say, I wonder what that was for. <coughs> but in heaven, that act behind the purple heart will live on forever. And, and you will know that that's a, it'll be a crown or a laurel placed on your head. Um, so that's, that's what the crown of life is, even to the point of death. It's, it's what we used to tell our kids, right? 
they'd say, we don't want to wash the dishes. We don't want to, we don't want to, we would force our kids, right, to go to church and do some act of service. Um, and, uh, and sometimes they didn't want to do that, right? Because kids want to stay home and do other things. And we'd say, no, you're going to get stars in your crown. And it's like, oh, we don't want stars in our crown. So, um, and this is kind of, there, it, the word stars in your crown does not exist in Bible, but the thought, the concept of stars in your crown does exist in Bible. And it's right here in scripture that each time you do something that's kingdom oriented, the crown or the laurel, you know, you get another laurel. Well, you can't have thousands of laurels. So you get little stars on your laurel, right? Your, your little badge that, you know, the gets grower that, you know, your lapel that has your one star, two star, three stars gets bigger, Right. Um, these honors that, that you do because of the kingdom grow with you in the kingdom. Um, that's what stars in the crown are. Uh, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's stars in your crown. All right. So we looked at the five crowns in scripture and we've seen that uh, it's not eternal life, but it's a blessing placed on you in eternal life. So what does this mean for us? It means that when you suffer and when you grieve, it is hard. Trials and tribulations, depending upon what they are, are difficult. And the more difficult they are, two things. One is it's harder to get through it. And for that, you need people surrounding you praying for you to get through it when you're going <clears throat> when you're going through a trial or tribulation i pray that there are people in your life that will place their hands over you and listen to the trial and tribulation and pray for god's strength to get through it that is one way to get through a trial or tribulation is to surround yourself with people who love you who will pray for you and as an aside, I, I will pray for you. I mean, I, I, people will say, here's something I'm going through. I will pray for you. But I'm not enough. Uh, it, you uh, hopefully have people in your life that will, when the trials and tribulations come, walk beside you, pray with you, give you strength, give you comfort. When you get through that trial and tribulation, there's also a crown because of that trial and tribulation for you in heaven that will be placed upon you at judgment day. That you went through this, you persevered, you drew closer to God because of it, and you, you have this crown now placed over you on the last day. That may be comfort for you if you're going through a trial or tribulation. And it may not be comfort for you as you're going through a trial or tribulation. Because when you're going through the trial, it is not necessarily a benefit to have somebody come up to you and say, hey, don't you love this trial? Because think of the size of the laurel that we placed on you. No, that is not the time to talk about this laurel, this prize, this crown that will be placed upon you in heaven. When you're going through the trial, that's not really helpful. And the reason why I know that is because I've gone through trials in my life 
and people have said those words to me in my life and they're not helpful words. Sometimes people say that and they mean it sincerely and I appreciate that. There's no question about that. But the, the prize really is after you've gone through the trial of the tribulation, you come out the other side and you start to reflect upon it. Why did God allow this to happen in my life? And the only conclusion that you can come to is that God allowed this trial to happen in my life because it drew me closer to him. He showed his love for me by helping me get through the trial. I grew in my compassion. I grew in my faith. I grew in my love for other people. And because of that, there is a laurel that will be placed on me or a star placed on my laurel when I get to heaven. Those are the things that you reflect upon after you've gone through the trial. And it should be pointed out that Jesus also went through a trial. When he came, became flesh, Christmas is coming up, so we see the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. We celebrate that. The whole point of the birth was for him to go to the cross. And prior to getting to the cross, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says to his Father in heaven that he's grieving, that he's having a trial or a tribulation. And he's asking God to help him get through this trial or tribulation. So God, the Father in heaven, is walking beside him, except that unlike us, where God walks through us, this trial and tribulation that Jesus went through, the Father pulled his hand away, and Jesus had to go through this trial or tribulation all alone without anybody helping him. This was the ultimate trial. It was the ultimate tribulation, which was going through this alone, that there is nobody else that has done this. When you are a leader, Churchill, uh, whatever, you're at the very, very top. There is no one, there are people that can surround you and love you and pray for you, but at some point, because you're at the top, you're alone. Now, Churchill was never alone because he's seen the examples of other leaders and what they've had to go through at those times of trial. Um, but Jesus, as the ultimate example of humanity, went through his trial without anybody else to help him through the trial. He went through it alone because God only died once. He only became flesh once to, to go through this trial called redeeming mankind. It's a once in a once in a universe event. And therefore, he had to go through it alone. And yet he did. He drank the cup. And he went through it alone. And he rose again on Easter Sunday, victorious of the trial of the tribulation, for which he is not only glorified and honored throughout all of creation, but by which we then receive our honors because of him. So it's uh, this whole thing about a crown is just fascinating and wonderful. It has deep spiritual implications. 
And my prayer for you is if you're going through a trial or a tribulation now, uh, to know that God is walking beside you. Uh, it's nothing that the world has not seen before. That, that he carries you through the deep ones. His prayer for you is that you grow stronger through this, that you come out of it. And my prayer is that you come out of it. But know that some point down the line, uh, there's meaning and purpose behind the trial and tribulation that you can't see now and maybe not even throughout your life that will be revealed to you at the end of time when God reveals all things. And for that, we are very thankful. So that ends James 1, 12. Uh, let's, let's close in prayer. Dear God, be with me in every trial and tribulation and weave for me a crown that you place on me at the end of time. Because of Jesus, in his name we pray, amen.